champion <laughs> wow i'm fairly certain that that just overloaded the microphones yeah yeah a little bit if you understood any of that good for you we're gonna have to redo that phil kessel is a back-to-back stanley cup champion <laughs> well it's been a really long time hasn't it yes it's been approximately two months it has been approximately two months because the last one we did was what right before my wedding so hey He's married now. It's been two months and it hasn't fallen apart yet. <laughs> I feel like if it hasn't, if she hasn't left me yet, she's she's stuck. I also hope that she doesn't listen to that first part of the segment because that would be kind of awkward. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the two months that we've been away, a lot of stuff happened. Did anything major happen that uh, we talk about? I don't know, Goose. Did anything major happen while we were gone? Two is more than one. Two is more than one. If you if you followed me around at all over the past couple weeks, you know what that means. I'm not going to say it because much inappropriate. But two is more than one. I got a sound effect for that. Yeah, we have a sound effect for that now. <laughs> anyway, so the Penguins defeat the Nashville Predators to win second consecutive Stanley Cup. Ah, uh, that's nice, isn't it? <sighs> yes, it is. Uh, that was really, really, really creepy. So yeah, despite all odds, despite I wouldn't say all odds. Okay, just no, d- despite a fair amount of adversity, let's call it that. The Penguins repeat as Stanley Cup champions. The first team to do that since the what ninety seven, ninety eight Red Wings. Yes, become the first, and they are the first back to back winning team in the salary cap era. Last year, the, the two cups are totally different. Oh, absolutely. Last year was hottest team in the NHL down the stretch and then just continuing to tear through the playoffs. And then this year was beat the hottest team in the NHL that was going on a tear. Right before, yeah, in the playoffs. But this was essentially the uh, regenerating Penguins because everybody got hurt. Mm-hmm. Everybody got hurt. So let's talk a little bit about the road to the Stanley Cup Finals. We talked a little bit about this in our last video. That's how long ago it was, is that the Penguins had just completed round one, beat the Blue Jackets, and I don't even know if we had closed the series out at that point. I don't think we did. But that's how far back it was that we've been gone. Goose is looking with really... I'm thinking right now. This this is uncharted territory for me, so just give me a second. (laughs) No, I I don't think that we had closed it out yet because game two against the Caps was the night of your wedding. Yes, so, so I, I don't think in your head now. I don't think that we had closed it out yet. It was very close, but I don't think we had closed it out. So if it wait, Saturday, no, we would have because Game Six been... against the Leafs was on Sunday. Right, we were hoping that the Leafs would draw that series out as long as possible, and they didn't. Not like it mattered. Did it matter? No, no, no. Yeah, it mattered because Ooh. the Penguins defeated Columbus in a very tough physical five-game series. Like, when I say tough, I mean physical. Was it really all that tough? No. No, because Sergei Bobrovsky was terrible. He just won a Vesna, by the way, as the best goaltender in the league, and he put up that kind of I'm going to sit here and be quiet. Yeah. We're going to pass on that one. You're going to pass on that? Yeah. Let's talk about the fact that we've seen the Capitals ten times in round two, 
And we have a 90% win record on that one. Is, that's just a complete... I, I don't think that another team has that kind of ownership of another team in the playoffs as in any of those major sports as the Penguins do in the on the Cavs. Mm-mm. It's that scary. And let's just throw this out there right now because we are impartial. The Penguins stole that series. More specifically, Marc-Andre Fleury stole that series. Absolutely. For the Penguins. He did. Because the Penguins had no business winning that, that series. No. None. Except in Game 7. That was the only one where they really played. Well, pretty the, the Capitals of Game 7 appeared in Game 7. Yeah. So yeah. And then the I, only, well, yeah, go ahead. I was worried about that game for a little bit, and then the Penguins scored, and I went, okay, I can breathe a little. No, I can't. No. 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 So had to, we, you still had to have clenched butt cheeks for the entirety of that game. Although the best game the Penguins played in that series was actually Game 2. The night yeah. of your wedding. That was the Penguins' wedding present to you was a complete and utter slaughtering of the Washington Capitals. Mm, it was nice. So we beat the Capitals again, and then we moved on to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Ottawa Senators. That was the worst series of hockey I have ever... Uh, granted, I haven't been a hockey fan that long. That's why I pretty much just read the news and make stuff up. But that was the worst series of hockey that I've ever watched. Because it was so boring. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the trap system yeah. worked well. Yeah, it did, and so did Craig Anderson. Yes, yeah. I don't think I've ever walked away from a series with more respect for an opposing player than I did with Craig Anderson after that. Uh, after that series, yeah. Eric Carlson too, because of how he handled the loss. Because Carlson's classy. He was just rolling his eyes. Although he did look like a Bond villain with his yeah. mullet and his goatee. <laughs> Better than uh, what Brent Burns looked like at the NHL Awards. <laughs> Yikes. A Duck Dynasty reject? Ooh. Sure, we'll go with that one because I don't feel <laughs> well, like saying mine on We don't need a censor for that one. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that I want to say about the Senators series is that so many people said... This is going to be like a five, maybe six game series at most. And I looked and I said, "Did you did you see how the Sens played the Penguins during the regular season? This is going to be it's going to be yeah. long. It's going to go the duration." So I thought so too, and it did. I mean, and then in the middle of that series is when the goalie switch happened for the Penguins. We went from Flurry back to Murray because Murray was healthy, and and Flurry had a bad game. Flurry had a bad game. Yeah, you know Murray had some bad games. Did Flurry make it back in? No, we'll talk about that. I'm sure. Yeah. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But how about uh, we'll say this though? Though the um, the series itself was pretty dull. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't dull. Game seven. Game seven Game was, seven not was good. ridiculous. Game seven had to be one of the most fun uh, playoff hockey games that I'd seen in a long time because it went into double overtime in a game seven, and it hasn't done that in a while. I don't think in the playoffs. I, I regretted staying up the next morning, but at the same time, it's just like worth it. Don't even care. You no, gotta watch. It was totally worth it because the Penguins just—I mean, Chris Kunitz had—he hadn't done anything in the playoffs up until that point. Boy, did he pick a game! Yeah, to remind us why Chris Kunitz is important. It was the double overtime winner. Of course, it came. The pass came from Sidney Crosby, and you know what was really sad—the look on Craig Anderson after that puck went in. Yep. I was like, I'm so happy. And then I saw that replay. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, I feel terrible now. And then I saw the Prince of Wales trophy come out. And I'm like, nope, I'm good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm good. And then the Penguins touched it. 
Sid picked it up like he always does. Yep. There's only one time he didn't do that. Yep. What and, happened when he didn't do and, that? And, and the Penguins didn't win. So, Penguins do everything that other teams won't do because did Nashville touch the Campbell, what is it, Campbell Bowl or something uh, like I don't know what yeah. happens in the West. Giant Bowl, I don't know. Uh, I think it's Campbell. I think. Somebody tell us. Subban probably touched a Giant Bowl, but anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so then in the Stanley Cup Finals... Here's what I have as our notes. Clinched the fifth franchise Stanley Cup on the road again against Nashville in six games. See, that's that's how you know that that game was not that series was not going to game seven because we just can't clinch it on home ice. We have to gloat and rub it in and rub and skate the ice on our opposition. So you're saying we have to rub it in our opponents' faces? Yes, that's exactly. Like we rub the ice in opponents' faces. Sure. Ah, uh, there was direction uh, to that. I see. There was oh, direction that to that. Took a while to get. I see what you did there. Yeah, I actually I have. I actually have that. PK Subban as a note from when we talked about this series. PK Subban versus Sid on and off the ice because you had the um, you had the breath comments which didn't make any sense whatsoever. No. Told me my breath stunk. Sid's like, burr. <laughs> I'm sure that's what you said. But the the battle between PK and Sid was uh, interesting, to say the least. Because PK Subban was, very, was a very physical presence against Sidney Crosby the whole series. And Sidney Crosby pushes back one game, and everybody thinks that Sid should go on trial for attempted murder. Which is actually a tweet, by the way, if you watch yeah, 96... No. Or no, it was from their Facebook page, yeah, if you watch 96.1. Yeah, if you listen to the 96.1 kids, they're listening to... Uh, they're reading Facebook comments, and literally, a Nashville fan said that Sidney Crosby should be tried for murder. Um, attempted murder, rather. And that uh, the Penguins should learn to play with class. Penguins are usually pretty good okay. at that. Yeah, moving on. So, gentlemen, thoughts on Murray versus Flurry? <clears throat> Goose? There was no way that once Flurry had a bad game and Murray was healthy that Flurry would see the ice again. I knew that as, too. As indicated by the fact that, that once Flurry had a bad game and Murray was healthy, Flurry did not see the ice again. You're right. I don't know if it's just the I mean, if it didn't work, Sullivan would have looked like a fool. An idiot, yeah. Yes, he did. But Sullivan doesn't seem to make mistakes, at least big ones anyways. So far, because he's uh, currently 8-0 in playoff series as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's, it, it is what it, what it is, but I don't know if it's just because I'm such a huge Flurry fan that I like the redemption story of it, though. Last year, Flurry got hurt. He couldn't make his way back into the lineup because Murray was playing so well. And last year, it made sense not to pull Murray out because he was just so hot at the time that you know it was it's just bad luck to take a hot goalie out even if he has a bad game but i loved how he gets hurt and i believe he said he had what a torn hamstring or something he had torn something hamstring right before game one and flurry goes literally right before game literally right before game was during the on ice warms this is why we kept mark andre flurry after the trade deadline because he stepped in and got the penguins halfway there Mm -hmm. he won nine out of the 16 games here's my editorial on all of this it was very difficult to enjoy the cup celebrations if you sit on Twitter and you watch, you know, certain people, especially many, many Pittsburghers, who 
couldn't stop about the fact that, you know, Flurry should have stayed in. His leash was so short, but Matt Murray has a bad game and he doesn't get pulled. We won the cup. Enjoy it. Just enjoy the fact that in our 50th season, the NHL Centennial, we won the cup. That's that's why I tend to avoid social media aside from my own postings. I don't like to view the opinions of the great unwashed. Because <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning in this case, those who have an opinion on Murray versus Flurry, mine is whoever is the better goaltender at the time should be playing. Mm-hmm. Whoever gives us the better chance of winning at that time should be playing. Mm-hmm. What made it really difficult, though, is that both those goalies gave us a really excellent chance to win. Yeah. Yes. That, and because Flurry is Flurry, that's what made it particularly difficult to choose between the two. So that was a narrative that happened for the Penguins in these uh, in these playoffs. Let's go back to PK Subban and Sidney Crosby for a second. Yeah, there actually there was an interview they had done with PK Subban's father. Said that during the Sochi, uh, Sochi Olympics, that PK and Sid were actually really good friends. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're still really good friends, but it's the heat of competition, and you want to win the Stanley Cup. Yep. Yeah. And it was Subban's job as one of their top defensemen to be a pain to Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. However, there's only so much abuse that a human being can take. And in it was game six, wasn't it? Or game... No, that wasn't that was, game no, six. No, it was f- four. four. It was game four, where Sid's just like, no, no, I'm not going to do this. So when they had a tussle behind the net and PK like wrapped himself around one of Sid's legs while they were both on the ground, and Sid was just kind of like... The hockey equivalent of why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> and everybody lost their mind, and they said Sidney Crosby's a dirty player. Sid always has that bit of a, you know, whenever he plays physical, he likes to hover on that line of what's okay and what's not okay. As a Pittsburgh fan, I saw that happen. I'm like, that's just funny. Yep. Now, the the problem that I have with that, with Sid hovering on that line, because Sid's not a physical player, it's just it all gets pent up, pent up, pent up, pent up, and then he just explodes. Yeah, but I wouldn't really call that exploding either, because exploding would have been actually actually, like actually attempting murder. And actually <laughs> attempting murder, yeah. Cross-checking something in the face. Wait. Wait. Aww. Oh, wait, that happened. <laughs> but, what you know, so it's just that... It's. I think it's a lot of Sidney Crosby getting a lot of hate because he's good. Yep. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And I, when I say oh, good, I use that word lightly because good doesn't even begin to describe Sidney Crosby. Not wrong. Best player in the league? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he is. That's it. And at least for a couple more years. So we have to talk about this storyline, too. Chris Letang being out, people were not even giving us a shot. And we went out and picked up Ron Hainsey and Mark Streit to try to patch together a somewhat comparable defense. And we still won the Cub. By committee. It was by committee, yeah. I don't know when the last time a team won the Stanley Cup without a number one defenseman. Uh, Particularly a number one defenseman who's as important as Chris Letang is. And if you think about it, you know, they, they talked the entire way through the postseason, even through the even down the stretch, they talked about the next man up attitude. And I think that really shone through in in the in the defensive core because we needed next man up and they all stepped up. Schultz, Hainsey, Ole Mata 
was one of the most surprising people in the playoffs to me. Ole, I think, is like finally starting to get his legs back. Yes. I still don't think he's the fastest skater that you're going to have. Goose, what do you think? I Just keep talking. Just I see the look just on your talking. face. But um, Ole had a bit of a comeback in, in the playoffs. Did he have some mistakes? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And Ron Hainsey get, got a lot of hate from me in the playoffs because the thing is is that I, I think a lot of it was due to his age. I mean, he had never played in the Stanley Cup playoffs before mm-hmm. in his entire career. But, but he now, now has more Stanley Cups than Alex Ovechkin. For yep. example. Mm-hmm. And you know what else he has? More Stanley Cup goals. Yes, he mm-hmm. does. Stanley Cup final goals. Nope, more Stanley Cup goals. <laughs> okay. We'll just go with that. <laughs> but, um, because his goal was to win the Cup. Ovechkin just got to the second round. True. Um, Rip. But Hainsey got a lot of flack because, let's be fair, if you were to look at the numbers, he was on the ice a lot whenever they gave mm-hmm. up some goals. Yes. Now some of those goals from Murray were soft goals that you thought to yourself, huh, Marc-Andre Fleury would have stopped that puck. Yep. Marc-Andre Fleury probably would have poke-checked him first because now I'm thinking back to when whatever predator it was beat Ole bad. Mm-hmm. It was definitely more than one, but yes, yes. I, I get what you're coming you know from. Which, you know which one we're talking about. I think it was what, game, f- wasn't game five. It was game four. It definitely wasn't game five. It definitely yeah. wasn't game five. But um, yeah, the Penguins ended up winning with a, a by committee. Mm-hmm. So that's kudos to the players. That's kudos to Jacques Martin for somehow patching that together. Yeah. And uh, so without Chris Letang, it's, that's the impressive part. Okay. Now we have to talk about that thing that happened that last game. Penguins winning the, winning the cup? We already did that. Yeah, we did. No, not the that. The other thing. The other thing. The, oh, the, the, the Predators goal being waved off after, yeah. after the shot that went into Murray and then the immediate whistle. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, Goose, opinion. What do you think about that call? We're going to ask just each one of us. Yeah. Right call because they lost sight of the puck. Very quick whistle. That I mean, that's the best best input that I can give is the right call because of the ref lost sight of the puck. Because, I mean, the ref that blew the whistle couldn't see the puck. But, but, that puck was clearly not covered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, David, do you have any more input to that? Um, I think that... It, I agree with Goose that it was a quick whistle. Um, I hate the fact that, as Goose put it earlier, the great unwashed can use that now as their uh, battle cry of the NHL rigged it for Pittsburgh. But honestly, I think in the end, the ref lost sight of the puck, and he was absolutely right. In defense of you know everything that we've said, ref lost sight of the puck. Within the confines of the rules, as they stand in the NHL, it was an intent to whistle. The ref lost sight of the puck. He blew the play dead, and it was after the play was blown dead that they pushed the puck in. Murray, by the way, thought that he had it. Well, as evidenced by the fact that he didn't make a move to try to do anything afterward. Correct. Obviously. And the ref thought he had it. The ref, by the way, was in a terrible spot to make that call. He should have been farther back behind the goal line and closer to the actual net itself. If he had moved a little bit closer to the net, he would have seen that the play should have still been alive. So that is a terrible call. 
but waving the goal off was the right call because of the rules. It's kind of it's one of those catch 22s. You're right, well, but then you're also wrong. Which game was it where, you know, the they had blown the play dead. The game continued for another couple minutes and then the horn sounded because a goal because happened. Because a goal had gone in. And that what game was, was that? Game 3 or 4 was in Nashville. I think it was was it game 4 also? I think it might have been game 4 also. So I mean, I don't remember. There were just I don't remember Nashville. either. There were a ton of just... Nashville benefited <laughs> from the letter of the law in that scenario. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh benefited from the letter of the law in this scenario. I don't think... I think it was even when you look at it that way. Yeah. Well, the only other thing I would say is that P.K. Subban's first goal in game one, when they called it offsides, that's by millimeters if it's offsides Mm -hmm. so that's another contrary it just kind of annoys me that there's this little controversial cloud hanging over this final because of you know there were two big things that went wrong in nashville's favor and then there was one thing that went the other way in pittsburgh's favor so they're going to say the nhl rigged it but the Mm -hmm. fact of the matter is is that with the way the rest of that series had gone i still think the penguins would have won at home because pecker renee was really bad away from Bridgestone Arena. I, I love the quote of uh, PBG Paints Arena, or previously Consol Energy Center, is uh, Pecorini's personal house of horrors. <laughs> he, did, he can't win. You he did say win. horrors, correct? Horrors. Horrors. But he was so bad. How many, <laughs> how many Vesna-caliber goaltenders did the Penguins make look bad this postseason? Three. Three out of four. Didn't they chase the goalie in every series? In at least, in one, at least game? one game? Yes. Yes, they did. They absolutely did. Because they chased Bobrovsky. Did they chase Bobrovsky? Yes. yes. Yes, they did. I had to think. Because like, Corpus Solo came into Corpus play. Corpus did mm-hmm. come in. And then um, game two, they chased Holtby. Mm-hmm. Uh, game five, they chased Anderson. Anderson, Anderson twice. They chased Anderson twice. 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 <laughs> yeah, because they pulled him, sent in the back, and he's like, no, put me back in. I got this. I got this. And then, I got this. And then another goal. goal. Uh, and he, I don't and got you're this. you're done with the game. And then Guy Boucher is like, lols, nope, and corrected his mistake. And then they pulled Pecorine twice as well yeah. to put UC Saros in, who was not that much better nope. Nope. than Pecorine. So if Nashville Predators fans, I'm saying this as objectively as I possibly can as a Pittsburgh fan, if you want to blame anyone for why you lost... Peter Laviolette. Well, no, but you got to blame your goaltending as a whole. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's hard for other teams who didn't have two number one goaltenders this season. Oh, yeah. They just didn't. Nobody else had a ta- Oh, wait, no. Dallas had... A, no. Dallas no. Tandem no. They yeah. now have a trio. <laughs> because they got stuck with all three of them. So it's just like... They're going to have to buy one of them out. Crap. They're yep. going to have to buy we one We have three goalies that are making at least $5 million. Who do they? Who do they buy out? Niemi or Let's 10 in? Both. <laughs> just buy out both of them. It's like $10 million. That's just for one year. I mean, who knows what the uh, parameters of the contract are for buyouts? They yeah. probably have to shell out all of the money. Yep. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling that you were curious enough to look. Uh, let's talk about the consmites for a second. No, but I will. Sidney Crosby is the first player since Mario Lemieux to win back-to-back consmites. Do we, did, did Sid deserve it? We watched the entire post. I won't say he didn't deserve it. I won't say he didn't deserve no. it either. But who else could have won that, do you think? Malkin. Definitely Gino. I he was the leading playoff scorer. 
Jake Gensel before the f- finals. But even in the finals, he had his moments again. He had his moments, because but he cooled off just a little bit. I think at that point he was just getting tired. Well, he might have been getting tired. He also really cooled off because the trap didn't. Uh, yeah. You know that whole series versus the Senators didn't uh, do any of the Penguins any good. So they lost so much there. I saw so many people want to give it to split it between Murray and Flurry because Murray and Flurry. Just that tandem, Flurry won them the Stanley Cup in the first half of the uh, first half of that postseason yeah, run. Fortunately, it doesn't work that way. No, yeah. it doesn't. So there's a lot of players I think on that team who could have won the Conn Smythe. I think the entire team should have won like just a, th- a, a 3D printed. Hey Alvin, I know you're listening. Can you make a 3D printed Conn Smythe trophy for every single Penguin that we can just give them? I think that I think that's the best way to solve right. that. <laughs> just we'll give them all con Smythe. Fun fact, because I want to be happy. When the Penguins make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, they've always done so back to back. They did in ninety one, ninety two, oh eight, oh nine, and now sixteen and seventeen. The only time they lost was in two thousand eight versus the Red Wings, and that Red Wings team was. I don't think they were going to beat the amazing. Red Wings either they, way. They weren't going to beat the Red Wings that year. So, the Penguins are whenever it comes to winning Stanley Cups, apparently streaky. Moving on to around the league, let's real quick stay here in Pittsburgh for a quick second. The Pittsburgh Tribune Review uh, released a story, and uh, the Penguins, of course, releasing a press release that Marc-Andre Fleury basically is his goodbye gift um, to the city of Pittsburgh, financed the construction of a playground uh, at the Stowe Ken Rocks Boys and Girls Club in McKees Rocks. Uh, which included uh, playground equipment on rubberized flooring and a water park. Uh, he also sure. donated sports equipment, games, educational materials, and electronics. Flurry said in a press release, It's been something we've been thinking about for a little while, and we were just thinking about something to give back. The people of Pittsburgh have been so good to me, so to build something fun, something for the kids, I'm glad it all came out and the kids seemed to like it. Damn. I'm not crying. You're crying. Damn that man. One in a million. And you know what? I, I'm i happy for Vegas because I think, you know, starting off, they need a guy like Flurry in the locker room. It's sad for us. We don't want him gone. We didn't want him to go, but we knew it was... Here's the thing. It's like, it was a year in the making. We knew it was happening. Since the Stanley Cup Finals last year... We knew it was happening mm-hmm. at some point. We just didn't know when. And the fact that it happened when it happened, it doesn't make it any easier, does it? No. Just because is there ever been a, uh, in a long time at least, the departure of a player hit a community so hard as Flurry leaving the Penguins? Because that, just that act of kindness. I mean, P.K. Subban donating $10 million and then get to a children's hospital and then immediately getting traded out of Montreal. Whole. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to top that, but um, Flurry and his wife funding that playground, that is, he's a quality human being, and I hope that one day he can come back to the Penguins in some capacity. Yeah. He will. I think he will, too. Let's move on before I start crying. I'm not crying. You're crying. WGRZ in Buffalo um, posted the story. This is back in May, something we probably would have covered if we would have. When it happened, yeah. yeah. A little bit closer to when it actually happened. But also relating to Pittsburgh, the Buffalo Sabres announced that they hired Jason Botterill as the team's new general manager. 
Bottero had been with the Penguins organization for the past 11 years, most recently as the associate general manager. Bottero also played for the Buffalo Sabres and the Rochester Americans. Uh, Terry Pagula is quoted as saying, Jason's hockey knowledge, experience, drafting, and developing players, his approach to management stood out to us during our interview process. Jason has built a solid reputation as a leader that connects strongly with players and the staff around him. We are confident he will have a positive impact within our organization and will help us get to our ultimate goal. The ultimate goal, of course, being not terrible. It's not even to win a Stanley Cup. It's just to be not terrible. Mm-hmm. Maybe a playoff team at this point. Yep. I think we knew that Botterill was going to get a job somewhere eventually. Yeah. I, I kind of wish that it wasn't in Buffalo, though. Yeah, me too. Just because of how hot and cold the Pagulas are. Yes. With, yeah, with all uh, We're, we're going to turn over everything for literally no reason. It's like, the Pagulas, okay, great. The Pagulas have only owned the Sabres and the Bills for, what, a handful of years. Not many. If I right. And they've hired and fired so many head coaches at this point between the organizations that the Pagulas, I think, somebody can correct me on this, but I think since they took over, they currently have, between the Bills and the Sabres, five head coaches still on their payroll. They, it, he has such a trigger finger when the things go just a tiny bit wrong. So here's my question to you, though, to both of you. Do you think that with the the hiring and the firing of you know, you know Tim Murray, did we talk about this last time? Did it have anything to do with Toronto going from last to a playoff team in one year? No, I think that had, well... Like with the firing of it, Tim Murray it, and Dan It Bosma. did, but they also had talent. Something Buffalo... Has a little... Has less of than Toronto. Correct. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is why I think that... I don't know Tim Murray's draft history, but I know is that he tanked to get McDavid, didn't, and got the consolation prize of Jack Eichel, which, by the way, not a bad consolation prize. No, not at all. But you don't... They don't have a goalie. I'm sorry, Robin Leonard. He'd be a good goalie on a team with less pressure. Yes. Interesting fact for you, because you guys were you were mentioning the Leafs. Someone was suggesting that the Leafs were going to be looking for goaltending help in the off season. Really? Yeah. Just somebody to help Craig An- or Freddie Anderson. Freddie. Freddie Anderson. Uh, I don't know. Anderson. Maybe a backup. I don't know. I, I didn't. Maybe I misunderstood what was going on. But it would have to be a back. I mean, they had Curtis McElhaney, but I don't know if they can sign him. So let's hey let's that's, keep up with that whole Buffalo thing. Yep, uh, Buffalo Sabers last week hired uh, Phil Housley as their head coach. Uh, this was Botterill's first act uh, in his new position as the uh, GM in Buffalo. And um, Housley is spent the past four years as an assistant coach with the Nashville Predators. He was defense, wasn't he? He was their defensive coach, like essentially. I don't know. Yes, he is credited for overseeing a highly skilled and speedy group of defensemen, according to the USA Today. Uh, Botterill is quoted as saying, based on his experience as a player and coach, we think Phil is uniquely qualified to be our head coach and help us achieve our organizational goals. Again, which is getting out of almost last place. Just just falling your way out of the dumpster. Please, we just want to be average at this point. (laughs) It's all that they're asking. You know, that's a good hire. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I knew that there was a lot of rumblings of maybe someone from the Pittsburgh organization going there, like Jacques Martin, Rick Tockett. I heard more for I heard more people saying Rick Tockett, but believe it or not, I heard Tockett didn't even get an interview. I think Botterill, as much as he talked about in his opening press conferences, 
you're trying to duplicate Smart. a lot of the success that Pittsburgh has. That wasn't the way to do it. That wasn't the way to do it. No. Um, it's a great it's a great hire. Housley was I mean for Buffalo Housley's like what he's pretty important player in their history, wasn't he? I think. So it's a coming home for him. It's a good move. And he's going to be, hopefully, a quality coach behind the bench. Hopefully, a less stubborn coach behind the bench than Dan Bilesma, which, by the way, we could have told them whenever they hired him, like, look, he's stubborn. Mm -hmm. He doesn't adjust. And they're like, we'll be fine. He's got that Jack Adams award. You got that Jack Adams award, he'll be fine. And then the Pagoulas happened. Yeah. So speaking of coaches and job changes, as of two days ago, Dave Tippett is on the market. Arizona parted ways after eight seasons, including many seasons of mediocrity. So all eight. <laughs> no, I think. No, you said mediocrity. Not <laughs> garbage. <laughs> uh, also uh, of note is uh, the Coyotes decided not to re-sign Shane Doan, uh, who captained the team for 14 seasons. I cannot condone that. I'm sorry. I'm going to read the statement. This is from SBNation.com. Uh, the statement released on the Coyotes website from uh, from uh, Andrew Barraway, who is the sole owner of the Coyotes, and uh, Dave Tippett. On behalf of the entire Coyotes organization, I would like to sincerely thank Tip for all of his hard work and many contributions. Tip is a man of high character, and we are grateful for his leadership during his tenure as our coach. Ultimately, we have some philosophical differences on how to build a team. Therefore, we mutually agreed that it is in everyone's best interest to have a coaching change in order to move our franchise forward after some uh, thoughtful discussions with andy we both agreed that it was best for me to move on said Tippett. i have thoroughly enjoyed my time with the coyotes and wish andy and the entire organization best in the future ultimately we have philosophical differences on how to build a team what does that sentence say to either of you it's silence that's what it says yeah literally like, what is all right what is there to say to that Dave Tippett, gone. Shane Doan, gone. Now, by the way, I think they handled that very poorly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's I think the Penguins signed him, by fa- the way. That's the face of your franchise. You no. We'll talk later. Okay. He's too old. He's Matt. <laughs> Don't throw Matt Cullen in my face. I love Dad. Mike Smith, gone. What is going on in Arizona right now? They're trying to keep up with the Joneses over in Nevada. Yeah. They're trying to keep up with the Blackhawks over in Chicago. That too. They're just get rid of everyone. Just, I mean, they. And if you look at the acquisitions, because we'll talk about all the trades. Yep. Yep. But we'll talk about the acquisitions that, that, that they're making, and it's just you kind of look at it and you go to yourself, what are they doing? Because the players that they're taking, they needed a goalie. Anti Ronto was a good pick to yes. replace Mike Smith. He's their starter, without a doubt. You pick up. Derek Stefan. Okay. You know, but you, you start looking at uh, all the players they picked up, and you're starting to think, okay, you're picking up names, is what they're doing. Are these players necessarily going to fit a singular vision, a singular style to help create this cohesive, you know, system? You don't even have a coach in place. You went into the draft. The first round of the draft was yesterday, by the way, when, from when we're recording this. You went into the draft without a head coach. Yep. That's never a good idea. 
Nope. Because I, you don't have anyone there. I mean, clearly they had philosophical differences on how to build a team between Tippett, but you don't have someone there saying this is what our team needs to be. The Maple Leafs also had philosophical differences. Stop. I hate you. There's nothing we can do about it either. I know. You know what we're going to do? We're going to move on. Yeah, we could we could do that. Uh, the last look around the league, we're going to actually jump over to Chicago uh, with a statement from Marion Hossa. Over the course of the last few years, under the supervision of Black Hawk's medical staff, I've been privately undergoing treatment for progressive skin disorder and the side effects of the medications involved to treat the disorder. Due to severe side effects associated with these medications, uh, playing hockey is not possible for me during the upcoming 2017-2018 season. And uh, he goes on to thank the entire Blackhawks organization, including Stan Bowman, the general manager, and his agent, Rich Winter, uh, for being supportive. And he also thanks his teammates and the fans uh, for his un- for their understanding and um, said that there will be no further comment on his health. How about that coming out of nowhere? Yeah. The fact that he's already ruling... The, I mean, he's already been ruled out for the 17-18 season in June. Yeah. That, Something's that's up. terrifying. That is Something's terrifying. Up. Here's my thing. Does Marion Hosa ever play another game? Has Marion Hosa is he Was going to have to retirement? Retire? Yeah, is he going to have to retire? I mean, the obvious answer I think to me is going to be that he's going to he's going to want to come back. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's going to want to. It's just I, I from how vague they are, I don't think that he's going to because i feel like if it was something where he could come back they'd say oh it's this give and, him some time and 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 just let, let let's get this under control let's get these side effects under control and he'll be back maybe not next season but maybe the following season but with the way that they're being so secretive about it mm-hmm. well the other thing too is do you really want to try and you know put it out there what mm-hmm. you know what the you don't want to air his you know it's a it's a condition, you know. Sometimes you just don't want to necessarily talk about them, but it's just shocking because he's a huge part of their team, and he's a huge part of their team. So much so that he pays. Because I, I took a quick trip over to Cap Friendly while you were reading that. Marion Hosa is signed still all the way through the twenty 2020- twenty and twenty twenty one season twenty and twenty one. Then he becomes a UFA in twenty twenty one. 2022 until that point he's still gonna make 5.2 million dollars a year holy crap the blackhawks by the way thank you cap friendly are the only team at the moment right now that's over the projected cap which went up yeah Mm -hmm. they got to do something which is probably why they've been cleaning everybody out Mm -hmm. because they're in trouble but losing marion hosa I mean, I don't, I don't know the specific details of this, but they said it, it's not necessarily as simple as just putting him on long-term IR and shutting up. Yeah, there, there could be issues there. That I mean, they're they're a team like you said, it's already well, they're they're strapped for for money right they're now. They're over a million dollars over the over the new cap ceiling, mm-hmm. which went up by how much? Two million dollars yeah. went from seventy-three to seventy-five. One point eight, I believe, seventy-three point two, seventy-three point. Thank you. Just so many things are happening in some organizations. We know that Chicago was hugely disappointed after getting swept by uh, Nashville. I mean, they were not good. They were not good at all. Um, Changes are coming, so we're going to fire our AHL head coach and then just blow everything up. (laughs) Blow the entire (laughs) roster up. 
sent. We'll talk about those moves mm-hmm. later on, but like, what is going on in Chicago? What's going on in Arizona? What is going on in the New York Islanders? Yep. What are they doing? What are they, they doing? <laughs> Leave me alone. Well, that'll be for our next episode. Yeah. Which, we decided yikes. probably to split this um, up into two parts. So I think, gentlemen, I'd, we, I'd speak for the both of you when we wish Marion Hosa and his family all the best. Absolutely. Yeah, we're not like some in Pittsburgh where we wish either death or a flesh-eating virus upon him, which apparently some of them got what they wished for <laughs> when they said that. Holy crap. Holy cow. I mean, I didn't like the guy when he left, but holy crap. I'm not going to wish a flesh-eating virus. Jeez. Yinzers. Yinzers. Everything's black and white. This team is divided into this team's fan base is divided into three, <laughs> three groups. groups. <laughs> the first one being the Yinzers. <laughs> They're pretty easy to spot. <laughs> yeah. They're all insane. Alright, so Rudy, it's been two months. Yeah. So let's 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 feel some heat. I don't know if I like that. But so the Twitter <laughs> poll from I'm just gonna move on. The Twitter poll from a really long time ago uh, had Dave Tippett on it. Mm-hmm. Whoops. <laughs> it had Joel Quenville on it because that's right when the Blackhawks got swept. Mm-hmm. And I've st- I still put him on. And it had Paul Maurice. Paul Maurice won. Is this the one where I voted for... Uh, I think you voted for someone ridiculous. I voted for Dave Haxtell again. I think again. you did again, vote for yes. Dave Haxtell again. No, I didn't because Jeff Blaschel was on this one. Yeah. That was Jeff Blaschel won the last one. Yeah, yeah. That was the one where I voted for Haxtell. You voted for Haxtell twice. But let's let's talk a little bit about Paul Maurice. So Paul Maurice just completed his fourth year of coaching in Winnipeg. It's actually three and a half because he was a midseason replacement. But he just completed his fourth season coaching in Winnipeg. He has a cumulative record of one thirty six, one twelve, and thirty three. That record can only be described as average. Exceptionally. Exceptionally average. Average. This past season, they were fifth in the Central Division, which when you look at the Central Division, who was in the Central Division? Some good teams. Mm-hmm. But he was fifth in the Central Division with a record of 40, 35, and 7, which can also be described as Goose. Outstandingly average. Yes. Let's look at their team stats. The first one, first stat I have, goals per game. Uh, goals four per game. Yes, goals four per game. Average to three point oh, which was good enough for exceptionally overall. Above average. That's above average. That's actually really good for a goals four stat. Then we go to goals against, and we see where the problems start to arise. Goals against average of three point one, which was good for twenty seventh overall. Which out is of exceptionally 30. really bad, <laughs> really bad. It's terrible. Their power play. Well, uh, let, let's look at their goaltending though. You True. can't even fault their defense for that. You can't fault their, their goaltending was garbage. It was garbage. So power play gets a little bit better. They go from below average back to. Moderately, below moderately average. below average. Yeah, power play operated at eighteen point two percent for the season. How much? Eighteen point two percent for the season, which was good enough for eighteenth overall, kind of middle of the pack. So, again, average. Then you look at their PK. 
penalty kill operated at 77.5%, which was good enough for 26th out of 30 overall. Yep, and we're back. And we're back to terrible. No, you want to talk about terrible? I added this one in because we've never used this stat on Feeling the Heat before, but in the articles that you know I added to this to kind of justify the case here, I added in the score-adjusted Corsi, which is basically the shot attempt differential during even strength play. I had to put that in there because I know I was going to forget that. Mm-hmm. And they operated at 48.9%, which was good enough for 21st overall. The reason why I added that stat in there is because with some of the talent on that roster, that's not good. No. That's not good at all. So I pulled a couple of articles to just give you a sense of, because I don't know about you, you two, but whenever I saw Paul Maurice winning winning this post, I didn't think, well, they didn't do that bad, did they? All right. They did. (laughs) But this article was from, uh, let's see, was the first one was from March 21st, so before the playoffs even began, which they didn't make anyways. But this came from the National Post in Canada, Winnipeg, and they were talking a little bit about the future of Paul Maurice behind the bench, and... They've kind of described, this article kind of described him as a lame duck of a head coach. Did you ever see him in Carolina? Uh, Well, he was terrible in Carolina. (laughs) But he can't get... um, He can't get the the Jets to to play well. In fact, they've gotten progressively um, kind of worse as he's gone on. And they're talking about contract extensions, and they're talking about how, you know, he's he's about to come up for one, so what do you do? Uh, Say no. He just let his let his you know contract go out. He's another one of those recycled coaches. The the league has a few of these where they they think this guy was absolutely terrible everywhere else he's been. He's gonna be really good for us, and, and then, then they're sorely you know, disappointed immediately because they're not. The article goes on to say that this year was a miss, but with a much more talented roster. It was a miss. You had no goaltending. I know. It's a little surprising the other way, the underachievement. Okay, this is quoting directly from the article from National Post. Um, If you'd ever known Patrick Laine would score 30-plus goals as a rookie, Nick Ellers would increase his goal point totals by 50%. Mark Shifley would burst into the NHL's top 10. Shifley. Uh, Jacob Truba would become the team's number one defenseman. I mean, you would think that the playoff team— the Jets would be a playoff team this season. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, obviously, they, everything points to the fact that they should have been in a, should have been a playoff team. Mm-hmm. They were way too good to not be. Right. So my question to you is: Okay, I mean, Connor Hellebuck and Michael Hutchison obviously weren't working. They weren't ready to be a tandem. A no, tandem. I mean Hellebuck. I'm not. I'm actually not too far down on him overall. He had a terrible season, uh, all things considered. He was also 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Not every 21-year-old can be Matt Murray. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But with, with a roster that talented, you feel like the coach should be able to string just a few more wins together. Mm-hmm. Even if they missed the playoffs, you know, a few more wins would have probably really helped his situation. So that's that's that on Paul Maurice. 
The next article that I have is from later in the season, from May 23rd. So we're about right at about the end. They're not going to make the playoffs. This comes from TSN, okay, from back in the day. This, ta- this article basically talks about the off-season game plan for the Winnipeg Jets. And the reason why I pulled this article up here is because they talked a lot about those stats that I had mentioned just a few moments ago. And let's talk about this. Direct quote from the article. This presents questions for head coach Paul Maurice. Is, deploy- is he deploying personnel effectively? Has there been a strategic change to lead to this? The Jets ranked 8th in the league uh, in shots in Corsi mm-hmm. for Maurice's first two seasons. Since then, they've dropped significantly. Significantly. I mean, they lost Tobias Enstrom, uh, Jacob Truba, both missed significant amounts of times. Tyler Myers missed a lot of the season. So if that's the biggest reason, then it's reasonable to hope for more recovery next season. Back into the article. But it will be worth exploring other possibilities, from tactics to personnel, to get this team back on the right side of the shot ledger. If the Jets can do that, in addition to adding a goaltender and securing some of their young talent to long-tier deals, then that would count as a successful summer and send the Jets into next seasons with expectations again. So let's talk about some of their heroes. Again, this is talking about the article. Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Patrick Laine. Blake Wheeler picked up the mantle of being captain after Andrew Ladd, a very cooked Andrew Ladd, went to the New York Islanders. um, And Blake Wheeler stepped in and I think did a wonderful job. Mm -hmm. Mark Shifley. I had Mark Shifley on my fantasy team this year and he was wonderful. Mm -hmm. He scored, what was that? He went from... 34 to 49 to 61 to 82 points over the past four years. Shifley is becoming a a league goal scorer, Mm -hmm. an elite goal scorer is what I should have said. And then Patrick Laine comes in, and he had a wonderful rookie season. Honestly, I could have—I don't know about you, but do you think that Laine, had he not had that concussion and been out for a little bit, do you think that he could have, like, the tie— I shouldn't say the tie, but the gap between Matthews and Line A for the Calder Trophy would have been a lot closer. I think it would have been closer. I think Matthews still would have won. Well, yeah, because Toronto Media votes on that. So, of course, Toronto Media is going to pick their golden boy for uh, for the Calder Trophy. But the point still stands is that I think that if um, Line A was healthy, that would have made a huge difference. And then, of course, the zeros. <laughs> Connor Hellebuck is the first one. Goose, any any disagreement on that? Nope. I got my mic working again. Good. I've totally been following along where where we are right now. I totally know where we are. Okay. Let's keep going. <laughs> so, Woo. I mean, so they had a much more talented roster than they've had in the past, and they underachieved again. So, what do you do? If my you know, should they make a head coaching change? Yes. Is really is really the gist of it. Yes. So we think they should make a head coaching change. I think they should make a head coaching change because he's he's a cold fish of a head coach. I'm sticking with it. He's a cold fish? He is. Because, he, like you said, he's one of the most recycled coaches in the league. Cold catfish of a head coach. Woof. So yeah. let's dive in to rate him. Goose, what do you think? Buns in the oven. You think he's absolutely not safe? You think he's absolutely not absolutely safe? not safe at this point, David. Um, I'm gonna go either toasty or buns in the oven. I'm yeah, you don't think he's safe? No, 
He's on the stovetop. <laughs> on the stovetop. I like that. Um, you know, in thinking about it, in my mind, I think that he should be gone. I really think that he should be gone. But let's look at the organization for a second, and what do you think they're going to do? Let's be fair. Probably nothing. It's okay, guys. We'll get him next year. We'll get year. him next year. We'll get him next year. That's probably their mentality. So I'm going to say for now, I'm going to say that he's toasty myself because I, I honestly think that he should be burnt. He should be gone. Um, I really do. But because of how organizations work and how particular this organization works, I don't think that they're going to get rid of him Unless they significantly underachieve. I mean, like, even more than they did this year mm-hmm. will be the breaking point in which they say, okay, you're affecting ticket sales now. Yep. Go away. The Pirates still haven't figured that out yet. They Ooh. never will. They never will. Big trade to announce. Ooh, Just big trade. In. Okay. Montreal Canadiens acquire a 2017 seventh-round pick from the Philadelphia Flyers for a 2018 seventh-round pick. <laughs> wow. Blockbuster. That's going to break the mold of hockey. That's it. Who'd you say that? Who'd you they say uh, acquired that from the Flyers? Canadians. The Canadians. Well, they're winning. Watch the them top. get like a fifty goal score from this pick. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what happened. So the Twitter poll for next time, which I am literally posting right this second. All right, all right. Vote. We've decided to put in for this. I want to keep John Cooper on there, right. and I'm throwing in some interesting ones. I want to throw Joel Quenville in there. I know the Chicago said that they want to keep him, but honestly, I want to know your opinion. It's Joel Quenville. And a little bit more of an interesting one, Glenn Goldson. Goldson. I don't know how to pronounce his name. There's a lot of Zs Glenn and Us in there. Glenn But Glenn Goldson right from the Calgary Flames because their season this past season was, it had two sides. Really, really good. Really, really bad. Not necessarily in that order. And then you got back to the playoffs. And then it just, it all went it all just very quickly. absolutely imploded. So, gents, what do we think? Part part two? Yeah, I think this is where we should end uh, our, our first episode back from the abyss. Ab- ice. <laughs> no, Patrick, that says abyss. <laughs> it says abyss. So, for Goose, Rudick, and David, this is The Puck Stops Here. 